If you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, call us at 888-675-9055. Again, that's 888-675-9055. All right, guys. Um, so this is our very first episode of The Banyan Podcast. I'm John Richardson. And I'm Megan Leach. And I am Brandon Novak. And speaking on my behalf, I am very excited to be here. You like how I said my behalf? Yeah. Like, yeah. I can some, just, thank you. Some of us talk. aren't excited to be here, right? <laughs> I am. I've been waiting a little bit. We I've have. Been waiting. So I'm excited to be here. And Brandon, I'm really happy that you are here today with us. This is my first time ever doing a podcast or hosting a podcast. So being here with you is exciting. You know, we have some really good topics to talk on today. Yeah, I'm excited too. I've never hosted a podcast, never done one. Your reputation definitely precedes you. I've heard a lot about you. I um, apologize. For yeah, that no. <laughs> no, it's all good stuff, but I just, you know, I really like to get my own experience and interactions with people. I want to meet you personally for a long time. Cool. Not just to kind of walk by yeah. and be like, hey, I'm John, and, you know, that's it. So it's exciting to be here. We've got um, great questions for you. But I think we're overlooking the main point that was just dis- disclosed is that a lot of virginities are being lost during this show today. Really? Right? Your virginity is being lost with podcasts. Yes. You've never done a podcast. Never. never. You have never partaken in an event such as this. Right? This is some monumental stuff going down. Yeah. I it's didn't, a big deal. I didn't look at it that way. I feel even... I, I look at everything huh. that way. I officially feel comfortable. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. Feels pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You just got to slide right into it. All right. But what about... The reality is life is too <laughs> short to be too serious all the time. So no matter how like in-depth we get about things, like I'm going to find a humor to it. Yeah. So I like to make light of things. That's great. Yeah. That's a great way to be. So, you know, one thing we want to talk about is Banyan Cares brand new um, program that Banyan's doing. It's really supporting Roots to Recovery, which is our scholarship program, which allots a scholarship to an individual each month through a scholarship letter that they submit. And we get a chance to really help somebody who might not get an opportunity to go to treatment. And that way it becomes available to them. And through that, we wanted to bring awareness in a fun, hip kind of way through hats, t-shirts, and stuff that people hopefully will actually want to wear. I'm into it. I'm super stoked about it. But that will hopefully then add some funds to the Roots to Recovery program. Now, I do want to say something about Banyan Cares. Mm -hmm. And I think it's great what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I kind of helped, like real back-end stuff, helped it get, get going. I didn't get a shirt. I don't have a shirt yet. <laughs> don't feel bad. So, me a, I didn't get a shirt. <laughs> B, I feel a little better because I don't even think they have my size. Because I'm a big guy. I'm like, where's the double X? I was kind of like pining right, through right. it, trying to see if they had it. And I didn't get a shirt. So I'm like, hey, Alyssa, what's up? Uh, we're not getting free shirts. She's like, hey, man, help the cause and everything. I was like, going to say, right, that right. kind of defeats it the does. purpose. I know, but I'm like, Ooh. you know, I, I really was like, man, I can't wait to get my shirt. I was just expecting it, like if I was going to get one from the right. end of it. They look great, no, too. No, she's not budging. She's not budging. She won't. It's, it's not even about it. It's about principle now. She won't ever give me one. Right, right. <laughs> if if it makes you feel better, I had to steal a candle yeah. from the house, which she saw, that are being sold for $20. You know, and, yeah. and I'm all behind the, the reason for which it's being sold for 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when you want things done right, you just got to take matters into your own hands. And you, you take it. And I yeah. did. You just take You're right. You I, t- I, I hear you telling me, go steal a shirt. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's See, that's oh, anybody listening, you guys heard it. I've got to take matters into my own hands. I've got to break into Liz's office and get a shirt. But let me show you how much respect those candles hold. I wouldn't even light it. 
Mm -hmm. I went around and I lit every single candle. And I have like candles all throughout my living room. Not bragging or boasting, but some of the candles are like pretty pricey. Like They're there's nice one candles. that's like a hundred bucks and, uh, and the rest of them are like a minimum of like 40 bucks. She likes all of them, no questions asked, but the one that she does not like <laughs> is the one that I like to say borrowed, because I don't, stealing's a harsh word, that I, like, that I borrowed Borrow. from Banyan, which is my employer, um, that was 20 bucks, the cheapest candle. Did not light it. And no. didn't get touched. <laughs> you know, that's her logic, if you will. The lightless candle that Banyan sells. <laughs> so ultimately, that's catchy. We're hoping everyone yeah, don't gets our light gear. It. <laughs> we're hoping everyone gets our gear and rocks it um, for the cause. Because Banyan gives out a lot of scholarships. Uh, I, because the reality is, one out of three people will be affected by addiction and/or alcoholism today in the nation. 100% fact here. 350 people will die as a direct result of an overdose. And, and with all that being said. It's the number one offender uh, amongst humans. And the sad thing is, is those 350 deaths that will take place today in the nation are 100% are preventable. But the reality is, a lot of people don't have the resources. They don't have the funds, you know? I, I know Megan got sober and she can touch on it. She didn't have like the good insurance to go to these good facilities. She went to a state-ran facility. Uh, I went to a state-ran facility. And, and basically it's like a, a bed for the indigent. You know, and, and that's kind of what we're trying to provide here. Let me just say that place that I went to is no longer even an option because it's not open anymore. So we're running against, those aren't even options for people that you and I had. You guys yeah. bring up a really interesting point, and that's something I've always wondered. Because I've heard, you know, oh, private facility, Banyan's a private treatment mm -hmm. facility. Mm -hmm. And then you hear about state-run facilities, and I don't know anything about them. Is there really a big difference? between a state facility and a private facility. So I'm a firm believer you can get sober anywhere yeah. if you're willing to do what it takes. And ultimately that becomes part of, of having uh, suffered a direct result of enough pain, right? Um, so so my facility, it cost me $2 to get into. It was very similar to yours. Mm -hmm. I had to show up to a holding group three days in a row. Um, and, and if you showed up for three days in a row uh, and you paid $2 each morning and the holding group was at 7 a.m., if you showed up three days in a row, that, that showed some willingness that you that you were willing to do. And on the third day, you got a, a date to come in for your bed. But now, if I call and I have a good insurance, mm -hmm. let's say a PPO, an HMO, a private pay insurance, I can call and have a choice of 20 different facilities that I can get into, you know, within a phone call. Yeah. These state-ran facilities, that one I just told you about, I had to go three days in a row. You earn your bed. You, yeah, have to you had to do, what did you have to do to get in yours? Same thing, every week, once a week, had to show up to a group that was called DAMP Group, which stood for, you know, something along those lines, and I had to show up, if, and that was the only way I kept my name on the list. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it's just, it's, you know, it, they're, they're all different, um, but again, only from my experience, because I can give you all my opinions, but they're just that, they're opinions. Well, um, and you've done both. You, you started yeah, yeah. at the Taj Mahal Absolutely. treatment centers. Yeah. You know? okay, it's funny because like the, 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 the same way my disease of alcoholism progressed, so did my treatment center stays. Right? In the beginning of my alcoholism, it was a blast. I loved it, could not get enough of it, could not wait to do it again. To at the end, I, I couldn't stand it. I wanted no part of it, and, and I didn't want to do it. I just didn't know how to. Mm-hmm. Now, when you said you, earlier, you're saying that you you love that you can wait for it when you're in alcoholism mm -hmm. disease. You mean like going out drinking? Like that's that's what you mean? You love. I had a beginning. lot of good times. Yeah. Even now, you know, I 
some of the best times of my life. That isn't any one of the questions. That's my personal yeah, question, yeah, by the yeah. way, too. And I love to get off the beaten path. I hate scripted things. Yeah. Because as an alcoholic, and I'm sure Megan can attest <laughs> to, when I say that I'm an alcoholic, all that means is that I'm defiant by nature. I hate authority, and I will never, ever conform. <laughs> Man, your eyes looked really sexy right there. Yeah, thank you. You were staring into my soul. <laughs> I was I was ready to make no, out with you. I was good. Yeah. Look, I'm just really feeling what you're saying. I like it because I, you know, it's it's weird. You're saying stuff that like resonates with me. I like to kind of get into deep topics and talk about things that maybe people don't normally like to talk about because I feel like that's where truth is. That's where learning happens. That's where growth happens. Yeah. So to hear you say it, it's like, man, I, I get this guy. But yeah. then I don't want to follow up and be like, hey, me too. No, <laughs> you know no, what I mean? It's cool, dude. Yeah, don't forget, too. you're the man with this mug. That's <laughs> not a convenient cup. Like, it's the, this sucks. You can't even do that. Two fingers. It, it, if you drink out of there, it probably spills there. No, there. it's good. I, it's got it down to a science oh, now, Oh, fuck right? off. You just <laughs> like the cup. Well, yeah, I love the cup. Yeah. Go, Let me go see. Look at Jake, my Instagram. Take a drink. Yeah. Go, <laughs> it cups the face well. <laughs> <laughs> it was great, right? <laughs> Who got that from me? That was a gift. Go look at my Instagram story. I'm like, John, this is your mug. Did, I knew it. Did you know? I assumed. You assumed? Her, assumed. That's a great guess, because it's just sitting in it her office just, on the mug. Well, it wasn't there when we left. And we came back. <laughs> Doom. Like, the fucking Infinity War. Guys, I have a Thanos gauntlet uh, coffee mug this morning. Everybody's giving me shit for it. The word it's... gauntlet coffee mug is so extreme. <laughs> for all you Marvel fans out there, yeah. it, it is the dopest coffee mug around. That was me taking a sip. <laughs> I want to jump back to the rooster recovery and the banging cares and, and the reason okay. why we're, we're selling these shirts. Because, yes, obviously banging is a, is a, is a private for pay uh, a for-profit facility. Um, but the reality is, as of June, we had given out 23 scholarships into June already. Mm -hmm. You know, like, we give scholarships out hand over fist. But if you continuously hand out scholarships, your business will not survive, right? Like, you can't right. pay the employees, and, and mm -hmm. sooner or later, Banyan will go under. So we had to figure out a way to help the ends justify the means. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and we figured this way. And this is like, this cause is geared, guided, and directed towards one thing. Helping that person that, that, that does not have the ways and means. You know, because it, a lot of people say that they'll do those things, but it, it just sounds real good. Like, we're really doing it. And we're not making money off of it in the least bit. And we're simply just trying to, to cover our ass to, like, continue to do what we're doing. You know, the yeah. one thing about banging is, 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 is the intentions are sincere and the motives are proper, honestly. And that this is just, it's, it's a really near and dear. And I hate that whole used car salesman pitch. Yeah. I hate selling things probably because like I did it my whole life to get high. My joke, I should work for a nonprofit. Half the things I bring to the table, um, you know, I, it's always a matter of giving back. But I think it's the fact that it's then supported, which... Yeah. You know, it could be a different case and, you know, anything that we're doing to give back to the community, you know, as in this area, at least, we feel like we are leaders and we have to support that in every way. If our community is lacking, you know, in the mental health arena, we've, we've brought that on board. And, you know, when it came to this, seeing so many people with no options, I think that's why we do. We just really always try to provide the options if nobody else is. I, I'm in the process of helping this kid um, from Nebraska, and I, he was my first client I ever put into Banyan. Um, his father's an old tycoon billionaire. He f comes in and out on his private jet. 
You know what I mean? A 19-year-old uh, college kid. Oh, you know, you couldn't... Externally, you would think this kid is the American dream. Mm -hmm. Internally, you can't keep it. It's so I'm just... I'm not trying to, like, disclose someone's information, but it, what I'm just trying to get across is that it, it does not discriminate, does mm -hmm. not care. So with that being said, people always say, what's the answer, what's the answer? If I had the answer, I would bottle mm -hmm. it up, I would sell it, I'd be a billionaire a billion times over. I don't know what the answer is, but mm -hmm. we try, we continue to try. And if that doesn't work, like then we learn from that and we try something mm -hmm. else. Why? Because there is no answer to this. Do you think it's getting better or is it getting worse? Um... I believe it is, uh, well, if you look at the statistics, the, the disease of addiction at this point is getting worse. Uh, I think the modalities of recovery is getting better. I think the, the, the resources available are, are, are becoming more and more. Um, it's just, we're just constantly robbing Peter to pay Paul. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? As soon as we kind of think we have... It's damage uh, control. Yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perfectly said. In a sense... Harm you know, reduction, damage control. Medication-assisted treatment, right? That, in a sense, you know, when we look at the numbers, has made the death toll go down. But it's still one of those fixes right now. I think that a lot more is to be revealed with time. In the meantime, trying to, to fix the holes that are there and, you know, resources that are very... Um, doable and available because as things change i think we're constantly hitting roadblocks that seem really really big <clears throat> and that's what you mean about you know there isn't we don't have that answer no yet. we just, just try we're trying we do and, yeah. we do we do and if we fail from that we learn from that failure and we you know we try something else but i'm not you know i'm a ba i don't debate i debated for a lot of years and i shot mm -hmm. heroin for a lot of years mm -hmm. uh you know, if, if you're on methadone and, and you wake up every day and, 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 and methadone provides you a life that, that you believe allows you to wake up with enthusiasm about the mm -hmm. day, then have at it. If you're on Suboxone and that gives you a life that you believe is worth waking up for every day and gives you enthusiasm, have at it. Who am I to say what the right or wrong way to live a productive, healthy, happy lifestyle is? <laughs> so, like, how dare I, mm -hmm. like, come up on four years of sobriety mm -hmm. for the first time in my life and all of a sudden think that I know the right way to do right. things? Right, Come on. How, how did your addiction begin? Um, how did that start for you? It, it, I believe, and again, this is opinion-based, that I was course, genetically yeah. predisposed, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. My mother's a nuclear physicist on the board of Marcy Hospital. Wow. Uh, my brother's an attorney in the White House who practices pension and benefits. My father dies as a direct result of the disease of addiction. My brother and my sister are by a different man. They have no problems with alcoholism or addiction. I am the only one by my father. My father was an addict. His father was an addict. I was an addict. You know, I am an addict. So I believe that that's where it started initially. And then as things progressed, a lot of things played into that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my father raised me in a, in a rather precarious way he taught me one thing in life if and when i go to prison how to conduct myself he never had a job he he uh he ran with the hell's angels um a rather unsavory kind of fellow at the age of seven he would take me to the strip joint when he was in the back conducting business he would sit me at the bar stool and, and the girls would pour me shots of ginger ale and coca-cola i would do the shots the girls would applaud my father would give me that little approval at the age of eight i witnessed my father cut my mother's throat um you know, so from a very young age, I, I recognized 
the, 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 the physical change that take place upon having a drink or a drug, right? Like I, I could see the psychic change take place in my father as soon as he ingested a drink or a drug. Everyone loved Rome, but if he didn't come home for dinner at 5.30 p.m., we knew there was hell to pay because then he would come in at like 2.30 or 3 and when we heard the keys hit the lock, we shook like leaves because my father was the kind of guy that if he was awake, the whole house was awake. And when he came home, all his Hell's Angels buddies came home. We had this big rancher in the country with a couple acres. And, uh, you know, so, so I actually excelled at everything that I did in order to not become him because I, I really disliked that man, but I hated drugs and alcohol even more because I saw that psychic change take place from around the age of seven on. Right? So I, I lived with that after school special of the man that I was not going to become. Mm -hmm. I actually accepted everything I was going to do to not become him because I disliked him so much. And I can't tell you about the first time that I sniffed that line, shot that bag, smoked that herb, swallowed that pill, that I was like, I found my calling. But what I can remember as clear as day, just like touching this table, is that the first time that my drinking and drugging career was threatened. Right? The first time okay. that someone said to me, Look, you have two options, Novak. We can put you into treatment, you can save your life, you can continue to be a professional skateboarder, or you can quit the team. And those options came from Tony Hawk because I was a, a pro skateboarder riding for Pal Peralta. They gave me those two options. And now, for the first time in my life, I got caught with some drugs on the tour and, and they, they, they gave me that ultimatum. From seven to 15, I ate it. How old were you when you first got caught? Or 16, I'm sorry. Or you can quit the team. I didn't have a breath of fresh air in my lungs when I said I quit. What, out of curiosity, yeah. what did they catch you with? A lot of weed and some uh, Valiums. Really? Mm -hmm. And so just from that, they said, hey, maybe you should go to treatment? I mean, Yeah. Well, because... Things led up to that. Yeah, sure. things led up to yeah, it. The progression of my alcoholism had already been in effect. Like, uh, I, I wasn't producing video parts, right? Which yeah. means I wasn't filming the parts. I, I wasn't showing up for tours. I wasn't doing well in demos. Mm -hmm. So they already had an idea something mm -hmm. was off yeah. before. My behaviors kinda... had started to become okay. erratic and sporadic. Oh, yeah. we're usually the last to find out that everybody knows. Yeah. When I went to treatment, you know? I thought no one in the world knew that I had a problem right. but me. Right. And when I went to treatment, I realized everyone in the world knew that I had a problem Except but me. You. It was the exact opposite. <laughs> it's wow. fascinating, actually. Yeah. yeah. Genetic predisposition. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. that's. I, I'm a firm believer in that. For any you know naysayers, people that don't know about that, is there? Have they done studies on that? Is there anything that shows that hey, this is something that you can see in the in the genes? Is there anything that's, you know what I mean? I was just with Dr. Drew. He's a doctor. He has PhDs, and and he said that they have. <laughs> I've not read Period. any, so I, yeah, I can't <laughs> so say we can't source have, it, yeah. but I can vouch that the doctor told me that. Okay. He's a pretty well-known addictions doctor, and he did tell me. If you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, call us at 888-675-9055. Again, that's 888-675-9055. Verbatim, that studies show that that is absolutely a thing. You know, and mixed with a little environmental, of course. I think that it's really hard to say one or the other for me. In my case, I can say, sure, there's there's a line of history, but then, you know, but I heard you say it as well. It then mixed with the environment that we're raised in. Yeah. That plays a huge factor. So I think that's where the whole chicken or egg. Meaning, hey, just from. because one of your parents might struggle with addiction, doesn't mean you will, mm. but you know it, it does play a part. It is a real thing, and it does mm. play a part. 
Yeah, I believe it did in, in my life. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, and and if if we're going, if we're if we're looking at it in the standpoint of like how are we gonna cure addiction, then that's relevant. Mm -hmm. But if you're just trying to figure out where your son or daughter acquired their addiction from, guess what? It doesn't matter. Exactly. What are you gonna do? Okay, you find the answer to the question you're it. looking for. Now what? Can you right. go back like and change the hands of time? Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So, what what is addiction then? At what point is someone considered, hey, you have a, uh, you know, you're an addict? At, at what point do they consider that? What is that for people that don't know? For me, I, I would definitely say that the obsession and the, the inability to make any decision that wasn't surrounding or protecting my addiction. You know, and that would be in so many different ways that are, that's even hard to put into words if you haven't experienced it. But from the moment I woke up when I was in active addiction, I really couldn't function. Um, down to driving a car, I'd be shaking so bad towards the end, right? But it didn't start there. It really started with the little tiny decisions that equal up to it. I was like, Brandon, I woke up one morning and I thought I had the flu. And then as soon as I got that pill that I was addicted to and I was fine, I then realized, and this was long after I'd been taking it, that I, I wasn't able to function without it. You know, so, so that was just, you know, years into it that I realized, you know, wait, I've crossed the line as we hear. So I think that the obsession and the lack of peace of mind, you know, in recovery, all I want now is peace of mind and freedom. Was that, was it physical or was it mental when you say that, I felt, felt like I couldn't function without it. When I woke up, I'd be shaking a go to, unless I had it. Was that, I mean, especially looking back now, yeah. do you think physically it was something you, like you had a physical dependency on it or addiction to whatever it was? Or was it something that was just mental inside of you? Both. Absolutely. And, and if I'm and using terms wrong, I want you guys to use an opportunity to, to educate mm -hmm. me sure. and anybody listening so they know you know, no, that's not how you say it, it's this, you know what I mean? And that's our goal. Our goal is to bring awareness and, and we do, in a sense, speak a different language once we get into recovery. We have this complete psychic change and a physical change. So I think that, and that's as a result of it having affected both our physical and our, our mental, I think that, you know, for me, there were different substances that brought on that physical. Mm -hmm. That was a much more long-term, um, in a sense, flu-like symptoms if I didn't take the drugs I, I was addicted to. And then there's certain drugs that didn't provide that. But the mental obsession, I think, is, is worse. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, it's terrible. You have this thing in your mind that says, you're so sick right now, but if you just take that pill, it'll go away. So no matter how bad it's gotten, you feel so sick that your brain just reminds you there's something that fixes this. And so that obsession just takes over and there is no other option. What was it that you were taking? I personally, I'm addicted to opiates when I'm in opiates. active addiction. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, whether they're prescribed by a doctor or on the street. You know, when people call me and they're like, I think that I have a problem, but I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think? And I, I say, I, I, I'm not qualified and or prepared to diagnose you, right? But so I always ask two mm -hmm. questions, and it's from the program, mm -hmm. uh, and the two questions, the answers upon those two questions will kind of do for you what you're looking for. And it's, it's, it's once you start, whatever that is, whether it's drinking or drugging, once you start, can you stop? And once you stop, can you stay stopped for, for an undisclosed amount of time, whether it's five years, eight years, 20 days, whatever you want it to be. And, and usually if it's no to those, then you answer your own question, that there's an issue, there's an underlining issue. 
And I agree, the mental obsession is way worse than the physical obsession. And that's why we can always stop. Stopping's never the problem. Yeah, I can stop when the judge is getting ready to sentence me, the pro officer's getting ready to violate me, the woman's getting ready to leave me, the home's getting ready to evict me, the job's getting ready to fire me. I can always stop. Come on, I gotta pass a piss test, I just lay on the sofa for a week. I can stop. But I can't stay stopped. staying stopped and living a life. Yeah. That we enjoy. Because the reality is the reason why I can't stay stopped is because the drugs and the alcohol are not the problem. Right. Guess what, people? That is not the problem. That that's is not the problem. There. No, that's your solution to your problem. Mm-hmm. You take your solution and you're left with the real problem, right? For the first time, you're not drinking and drugging. Now the real problem ensues. And the withdrawal The mental obsession. Away. The withdrawal. The men- well, yeah, yeah, and then you're left with the real problem. Right. The mental obsession, the thinking, the attitude, and the behavior. That's the problem. The drinking, the drugs, the solution. Now, for the first time in God knows how many years, days, mm-hmm. months, decades, you're not taking your solution. You're left with the problem. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we feel like we become, we're a stranger in our own skin trying to figure out who the let us in. Right. And why. That's deep, man. And now I can't take the drink to get out of myself mm-hmm. to escape the reality that I have once again created for myself. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. So there's an underlying problem from the beginning mm-hmm. and drug and alcohol abuse is a solution to that problem for mm-hmm. and really that's what it is. Yeah. yeah that's why I always say, you know, we have to, we have to go, if we can, God willing, get you somewhere for a long enough period of time to create enough of a distance from the last time you had used your drink or a drug to, to present day or time, what we, God willing, will do is help you uncover the problem in order to discover the problem in hopes to recover from the problem. So is the problem for everybody different? The, the mental part where you said that the real problem, why people are using drugs, why they're, you know, abusing it. I think it's amazing how we're not different. We're all entirely different, right? Mm-hmm. But it's so fascinating how no matter where we come from, how different we are, money, no money, different parts of the world, that that obsession is the same. And that's why we can't explain it, right? And there's other parts in our literature, if you're working in a 12-step program and, and other forms of literature across the board, that really talk about even medical doctors stated what we've been trying to do for many years with alcoholics and drug addicts you somebody in recovery who's no longer but once was drinking and drugging can come in and talk to this man who is sick with alcoholism and do what we've never been able to do in such a short time like you can accomplish in a short time what we've never been able to do as medical doctors because there's something about the connection between two addicts or alcoholics who have that same obsession that you might not understand but as Brandon and I will talk, those are things that we don't even have to mention it for it to be a common bond. So no matter who we are and how different we are, there's that obsession that is the same. And you know what I'm thinking as you're saying this, that the I can't say the percentage of, of, of people in recovery, but if I was to speculate again, just an opinion, I'd say you know 80% of the people that are in recovery all take the same medication, right? right? So the medication's the same. It's not like I prescribe right. you four of these pills, three of these pills, and this to drink. Mm -hmm. It's for the people that are in recovery that that do it the way that Megan and I do it, it's the 12-step fellowship, whichever fellowship that is, but there's 12 steps to that fellowship, and at the end of the day, it usually boils down to trusting God, cleaning Mm -hmm. house, and helping others, right? And and, and ironically enough, spirituality seems to be the solution (laughs) to the whole thing at the end of that, at the end of that. Because, trust me, if I could have lifted my obsession or rid me of the desire to drink or drug, trust you me, I would not be sitting in Banyan office <laughs> on a Monday morning doing a podcast about addiction or alcoholism. And I can honest to God tell you, I, I've never had a more fulfilling life than I do right now. And I'm in bed by like 9.30 or 10. 
joy in my day is going to the grocery store, coming home. Do you want home, me to tell change. them all of your routine yeah, habits? I have all these weird routines. I like I paint, <laughs> hang out with my cats. I ride my bike. I go to the gym. I I quit smoking nine months ago. I'm into like reduce healthy, fat chips ahoy. Re- though. Yeah, that you know <laughs> I, I'm into a healthy way of living and and and. And that's not what I ever thought that my life would be or what it would take to provide a happiness that I felt was worth waking up for every day. You know, when, when, when we alcoholics and addicts get better, everybody mm-hmm. in our life gets better. Mm-hmm. Everybody. It's not a, it's not a, a one-person deal. No. It affects everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm curious when like, it, it kind of like lightning struck. I don't know if that's how it works. When something, when it clicked for you to say, you know what, I, I need to get help. When it was for yourself and not just people saying to you, hey man, you, know, you need to get yourself help. When for you, you realized you were ready to do it for yourself and, and that you did have a problem, but like internally. And if that's not how the process works, but please, you know. Well, that's kind of exactly how it works and that actually transcended into the way that I conduct my advocacy work today. Okay. Right? Uh, life is live forward and learn backwards. I couldn't see any of these things mm-hmm. happening. When I was in the basement at Catholic Charities Rehab, I wanted to, I, I never thought that my life was could get any worse. I, words can't even describe or do justice for the feelings I had felt. Looking back now, that day, that moment mm-hmm. has been the best day of my life. But I couldn't see it at the time. But what I did was by knowing that I don't know, it got me out of my way. I can't, you can, can you help me? Now I'm willing to follow your suggestions, I follow your lead, I do what you say. That compared with the fact that up to that date, I was fine with like standing on the corner selling my ass for $40. I was fine letting men blow me. I was fine sleeping in abandoned houses on Christmas Eve with nothing but a short sleeve shirt on and it's so cold I gotta, I gotta pull my arms into my shirt, my head, my, my head into my shirt, my shirt over my knees, and through my nose, my mouth to produce heat. I'm fine with that. Why? Because I do a shot of heroin, and without fail, that delusional effect is produced every time, which allows me to escape the reality that I have created for myself. Now, but what do I do when I'm a 35-year-old homeless heroin addict who cannot load that needle up with another drop of water, or else the plunger will come out? $180 of heroin and cocaine. On the, the, every day, and, and no matter how much I put in my arm, that delusional effect is not being produced anymore. Mm-hmm. Meaning so that moment working. of clarity is happening when I'm high or sober. Prior to this date, it was okay because I called, it answered, it, 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 it beamed me up, that stupid old saying, beam me up, whatever. Scotty. Yeah, Scotty. That, that worked, <laughs> but now that's not happening. I can't So are you saying you attempted to use and you just like couldn't get high? You, yeah. You hear people talk about yeah. that, where working. I drank and I didn't get drunk. Like li- literally, and that's not just a figure of speech. Literally, were, they were drinking alcohol. Is it intolerance? Like, no, it's, it, it's like this, I can't say that I experienced this. This isn't a part of my story. I abruptly got stopped without choice initially, but by the cops. Um, but there are so many people I hear that from, that they used or drank, took in the substances, and did not feel an yeah, effect. Yeah, I, I literally could not put any more into that needle, and that mm-hmm. delusional effect was no longer being produced. Hence, that moment of clarity was mm-hmm. happening higher or sober. And now, life lived forward, learned backwards. I'm now thinking about, okay, I've been in 12 inpatient treatment centers. I've lost count of outpatient and detoxes. Mm-hmm. I always felt that I was so internally needy. Yes, I see that Megan can get it, but Megan hasn't walked in my shoes. She hasn't done what I've done. She hasn't seen what I've seen, which is all my, that's just my disease talking to me and, and pushing me further and further away mm-hmm. from help. Um, and I would believe it, right? So then Megan can do it, but I can't. But now I'm left 
with myself, by myself, to look at no one but myself. And I cannot escape my reality for the first time in God knows how long. And I'm thinking about all the seeds that were planted along the way. That 19-year-old tech who's continuously at the rehab when I go back. Megan who's continuously at the meetings. And now, like, these people can do it. Now I'm like, the pain's really great. The pain is, is, is the worst that it's ever been because I cannot run from my problems anymore. Mm -hmm. I want to kill myself, but I don't want to hurt myself in the process. I'm hard with, a whole, you know, a whole bunch of things have accumulated to lead me to this point. But now I'm like, all right, mm -hmm. I know that I don't know. Let's get in here and like do whatever they suggest. You're suggesting it and you continue to be here every time I come back to get out. You know, like yeah. I was just, I'm just trying to paint a picture of the willingness that transpired mm -hmm. from the pain that I experienced. I always hear people, have you, uh, have you hit your bottom? Have you hit your bottom? Anybody can hit their bottom when mm -hmm. they stop digging. They say there's always um, a trap a door, trap door at your and bottom. All that. Yeah. Just, you know, I just kept digging. They say a hard head makes for a soft ass, and my mm -hmm. ass is like really soft. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. It's, <laughs> So the longer I stay sober now, what I do know is that I don't know. And the longer I stay sober, the less that I know. How do you stay sober now? Really simple, man. I, I, I get lost. I, I'm a big accessories for, right? Mm -hmm. I like big words. I like to sound extravagant, uh, very eloquent. I, I like jewelry. I like layers. I, I like boots. When you said, when you were describing your dad earlier and you said unsavory, I picked that up. I was like, wow, what a great way to describe a person. Yeah, you know, that was unsavory. him. He was the life of the party. Everybody loved him except his family. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he was a very woman, he's a, he's a womanizer. Women loved him. He was not a faithful man to my mother. That's a whole other topic. But the thing is, I remember what they told me in treatment, right? And I was beaten so bad, I was willing to do whatever they suggested. They said, listen, kid, God willing, you stick to the basics so you never have to go back to the basics. Mm -hmm. So I, I start my day every morning. I get up, I make my bed, I get on my knees, and I pray. Um, I, I have a sponsor, I attend 12-step meetings, um, and I, I just I don't drink or drug, despite any and all adverse consequences. All the little things that you do in your life, your little routines and habits, your cats, mm -hmm. waking up to them, and, and you know, what I got to see. You yeah, you saw me. Yeah. You give them, you know, you give a cat a treat or two. He will lay out probably 10 to 15 treats across the floor every morning, wakes up, gives them all these treats, and and that's what he does every day. And he gets to like, but but I, I very routine oriented. Very, she's just witnesses. She's fresh just, off a trip at my house for a week. Yeah. I don't think about what I do much, but she can actually yeah, see firsthand. Yeah, and it's really cool. It's cool to see someone wake up that at one point didn't have much to wake up for, as he shared, and like to see that those little things are what's important. I remember the shifts for me when I felt anxious and there was that desire to get outside of myself and lighting a candle and making a cup of tea and being in a quiet room was enough for me to say like this is amazing and i'm excited to do that there's this level of yeah. excitement i need to be excited to do something and lighting all the candles doing stuff like that those have been my calmer little things that make a difference i think we all kind of have those yours are your mm -hmm. cats and you're you know doing the little things you do um because we talk about that. Get up and pray. Yeah. You know, go to meetings. But I like to look at all this stuff in, in the in-between. I think it's super important. So one thing I feel like I'm really kind of, that clicked for me in this conversation that I'm learning is I always would see, you know, when I, I really don't know much about it, and I would see people from the outside looking in and think, you know, I found, like, this, my own little correlation. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't judging, but I found this correlation. I'm like, it feels like people that struggle with addiction – that when they stop using drugs and alcohol, they flip their addiction into something different. Mm -hmm. They focus it on something else. And you guys were talking about uh, being obsessive-minded. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of how, how your brains are built and that's just how it works. Mm -hmm. So 
to me, it, it, from what I'm learning about that now is like, yes, yeah, so being obsessive minded, you know, if you're obsessed in drugs and alcohol and then you stop doing that because of the consequences of that mm -hmm. and you focus on something else, then translates into like a routine-like behavior. Like, gotta yeah. wake up, gotta do this, gotta get 15 treats for the cats, gotta, this is my routine, this is how it's I like do I'm it. Di I'm disciplined and I love structure, but I'm not good at staying structured. Yeah. That's my issue. I, I like organized chaos. I have, you know, more spreadsheets than anybody. I don't, <laughs> I tell people, don't tell anyone that because no one knows that stuff. Not like, a good look. It, right. I'm I mean, very attractive. Exactly. Like, you know, but I, I have all this stuff that kind of keeps me going, but then there's the people in my life, you know, whether it be my sponsor or just my close people, they know when I'm off because I stopped doing all, like feeding the cats in the morning. You know, yeah. I like sleep in a little bit. I'll do that. Totally. I'll make the bed this morning. And that snowball yeah, effect. That's the stuff that messes deal. me up. If you that's came to my house three days in a row, my bed was not made. Like Something problems wrong. are, are going to It's not a matter of if, it's just when. Because I can be showing up to those meetings. I yeah. can be doing all of It's always what am I not doing. It's because it's, we can always save face, right? right? Externally, things look like they're to the nines, mm -hmm. right? But what I learned is throughout my whole life is I was trying to fix this internal void with an external mm -hmm. solution. So it's easy to dress up the outside with pretty shit, right? Mm -hmm. But like the intern, the, the, the core of the people, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and what am I doing? What am I not doing? Right. More importantly. Exactly. Do you still have that void? At times. Mm -hmm. But the beautiful thing is now is that I'm aware that I'm aware. Ignorance is bliss. When you don't know, you're not to be held accountable. When you know, you're to be held accountable. You know, so like, by, you know, when I was in my first treatment center at the age of 17, they put me in this cafeteria. The cafeteria was completely empty. And, and out of nowhere, this, this older black gentleman walked up to me. He said, white boy, what are you doing here? I said, heroin. He said, how old are you? 17. He said, do yourself a favor and don't turn 18 in a place like this. As quick as he came, he left. He, nor I, had any idea of the significance that conversation was ever going to have on my life. If you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, call us at 888-675-9055. Again, that's 888-675-9055. Fast forward to 35 years old, walking into my 13th inpatient treatment center. Prior to that, I'm, I'm, I'm laying in this fetal position in this house, and this house is, is completely empty, and, and this house is now a spitting image of what I've become. This big empty shell of a house now consoled with this big empty shell of a man laying on the floor in a fetal position, crying uncontrollably. And the only person I can think of is that older gentleman from that first treatment center saying, do yourself a favor and don't turn 18 in a place like this. He had planted that seed mm -hmm. long before I had any oh. idea. You know, so you just never know. But again, I knew, mm -hmm. right? So I could not shake what I already knew. And now in this world of like what I learned from drinking, drugging, trying to get sober, and now in this advocacy mm -hmm. world, uh, I try to present my 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 message, if you will, in a form of attraction rather than promotion to make people say that hear it, that see it, that witness it firsthand, that if that guy can do it, if that girl can do it, there's no reason why I can't. Hey, let's call up Banyan. Let's call up whatever. And that's not a, a shitty ass plug for Banyan, but like <laughs> let's call up any place that we're looking to get help with. Um, and see if they can help me. Because if Megan can do it, if Brandon can do it, there's no reason why I can't do it. Now all of a sudden, for the first time, someone hears Megan, myself, uh, the story that we've just shared, and they say, you know what, if they can do it, there's no reason why I can't. It becomes their idea.
And when it becomes our idea, we excel at a rapid fucking pace. Mm -hmm. But don't tell us what to do. It's all about deliverance. You know what I mean? For sure. It's all about having a good argument. Yeah. <laughs> Which, as we know, I've you do. I've come to find out a lot about myself going on a trip with my best friend and Brandon. And um, I clearly, you know, can't say when I'm wrong sometimes. No, I make no. it sound real good. Um, Very convincing, if you yeah. will. But I, I really think authenticity is something that's thriving right now. When people can really see who you are, I know that I... I design what I do, what I personally do for Banyan, really it's a representation so much of how I live my own life. And I think a lot of people who know me can see that. I, I really try to bring, um, you know, the concepts and the things that I do into my day to day with work because it worked for me and it is in a sense attractive because it's just finding your own way. It's not by someone, you know, being told what to do. It's finding what you love through trying different things. And and we have to try different things. And, and coming it. to treatment sometimes is new or it's the 13th time. We never know when it's gonna click for someone. No, it takes what it takes until it takes. Mm -hmm. And who am I to say what it will be for it to take? Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know? It, it could be me simply going to my first meeting and seeing this smoke show named Megan who's got like <laughs> eight years sober. And I'm like, wow. I really want to like make her my girlfriend. Maybe but little if I does can he know how sick I might still be. <laughs> but still, it makes the program of uh, right. Twelve Steps very attractive. Right. It, it takes what it takes until who am I to say what it will be for it to take? Or it could take. Uh, I got one DUI and I don't want another one. Yeah, uh, you know, you it's just know. we're all cut from different cloths. That's a new solution. You you have like. Uh, like meetings or places where there's only smoke shows there. Yeah. And the one I, guy shows I up. I might have stayed so real like quick. Just nine super hot girls out of there. And he's like, I think I can do this. I, I can do this. <laughs> I want, no, not only do I think I can do this, I want to do this. It reminds right? me of the time Brandon calls me on like a Saturday and I'm at the beach. And he's <laughs> like, I've got somebody who really needs someone to come in, you know, at one of our locations. And says, I really need someone to go visit him. I'm like, Brandon, I'm at the beach in my bathing suit. He's like, perfect. That's exactly go. what I need. <laughs> if I had a smoke show show for me and treatment in a bathing suit, Hey, you really need to get some help. I'm like, sold. Okay. <laughs> I'm sold. I swear I didn't go, you guys. I did not go. <laughs> you know, so it's just uh, uh, because, like, you know, we're all so different in our own ways and our own rights. And that's the, the beauty, I believe, in sobriety is, is not caring what people think, which is a very difficult thing to do. Um, but I noticed, and I don't know if it's, it's because my sobriety progresses or, or, or my age continues to grow that I just tend to care less about. What I've realized these days is that my business is none of my goddamn business. Mm -hmm. That's what I was thinking about earlier, how we're talking about all of this and we talk about that obsession. It's amazing that when we make that decision and the, the obsession tells us, take that pill because you won't be sick anymore. The bugs under your skin, the aching in your yes. back, the kicking, you, you can't You need this, sleep. you deserve you, it. Yeah. it's mind-blowing how it's suddenly a good idea. Yeah. It's crazy. We'll rationalize and justify our way into We've the worst idea it. in the yeah. world. And yeah. I'll believe that you are crazy. You people that are sober, continue to stay sober and want nothing more than to help me, I'll think that you guys are very caught like this. We're faking it. You don't like me. You yeah. just want my money. You want me to hang around with you. You want me to drink the Kool-Aid. No. I'll, you know, we can, because I have a disease that's centered in perception. That's my problem, perception. And you can kind of twist anything you need to justify whatever you're doing or whatever yeah. habits you need to fulfill. They get into the treatment, they say, all right, let's work about triggers. My triggers are when my goddamn eyelids open. Mm -hmm. I can justify why this black soundboard makes sense to shoot heroin over. 
Which and goes to show we can use those things. And, and it, I do it in recovery. Absolutely. We do it. it just because we get sober, it doesn't, you know, that's where the work comes into play. And we try and get better because you take away the drugs and alcohol, we're still, you know, those people. And, you know, we can use those things um, as we're clean and sober. You know, it takes a lot of work. It's taken me like 10 years to figure certain things out. <laughs> Seriously. Well, no, I know. And, you yeah. know, they, 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 I, I was just, I was, Pain, direct result of change, right? I was beaten in that state of reasonableness, literally, to where I would just continuously bring my body and my mind mm -hmm. followed, right? Because I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to figure things out. That's why I love mm -hmm. you said it, because I can relate. I, mm -hmm. I, I didn't, my self-esteem was low. It was shit. It was shot to hell. And then, I, so, okay, yes, I lack self-esteem. I get that. Okay, we'll, we'll get self-esteem. That's insane. That's you're, that you're speaking yeah. Greek to me. I don't know how to do that. But what people like Megan said is, is they said, you know what? You take pride in what you do. You get this job at the diner, and you're gonna wash dishes for six dollars an hour. You're gonna show up a half hour early. You're gonna stay a half hour late. You're gonna take pride in washing these dishes. Mm -hmm. From washing these dishes for six dollars an hour to the table next to a fifteen-year-old kid, you're gonna pay your own recovery house rent. You're gonna pay your own one hundred and sixty-five dollars a week. You're gonna. You're gonna, at the end, you're gonna pay $660 a month of your own money from your own job washing those dishes. You're gonna buy your own cigarettes. You're gonna buy your own groceries, right? And now, I'm showing up for work, I'm being accountable, I'm being productive, I'm doing what I do, and, and I'm doing esteemable acts. And guess what happens from those esteemable acts? Confident. I gain self-esteem. And I didn't even know I was doing it. And now all of a sudden, I can look at you in your eye and tell you what I think, what I believe, what my opinion is, without you saying, is he like a punk? Is he a loser? Is he gay? And, and before things like that would make me like drink, drug. Now I'm, I'm no longer that stranger in my own skin trying to figure out who the fuck let me in or why. I'm a bit more at peace than I was. I'm not where I'd like to be, but I'm better than I was. Right? So it's, it's through doing esteemable acts I gained a sense of self-esteem, and I didn't even know I was doing it. <laughs> I wasn't clever enough to do that on my own behalf. I just continued to do what you people suggested because I knew that my problem was the thinking. My very best decisions and ideas landed me here time after time. I know that I don't know. What would you, I just, you know, for, for all the people that, how about this, for anybody suffering, that's suffering right now mm -hmm. and they don't know, you know, what kind of advice would you give them if somebody was, you know, going through what you were going through in the beginning and, and hasn't had their, didn't get, you know, that you said that, that guy that said, Hey, you know, don't spend, don't turn 18 in a place like this, you know, don't turn 18 in a place yeah, like this. Right. <laughs> I was just thinking that, you know what I mean? For somebody like totally. you, that was somebody gave that to you. Yeah. You know, what's something you would say to somebody going through that? I mean, I, I, it's just such not a black and white, one size fits all. But, but the reality is, 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 and I always say it, and I'm kind of, it's, it's redundant, I say it a lot, but it's just the truth is that, that the disease of addiction is not a death sentence. The disease of alcoholism is not a death sentence. Your history does not have to dictate your future. As long as you're breathing, it's never too late. The reality is, is there are resources out there readily available. If you could do it on your own and you're already like thinking that you can, but you're asking yourself these questions that we're talking about, odds are you can't. Mm -hmm. So like reach out. And what about the, let's say the, uh, uh, somebody who's sober that loves that person that you were just speaking to that's suffering. Go to Al-Anon. Mm -hmm. How, to, how to get them help. I think that it's really big to take a look at that and that could be. You said Al-Anon? Al-Anon, yeah. What's it, that? So Al-Anon is, 
a place where people can go that are suffering from somebody else's drug addiction or alcoholism mm -hmm. and they get the support they also work a 12-step fellowship they get a sponsor so they're doing very similarly what the addict or alcoholic is doing but they're doing it to be able to take care of themselves and not only um, take a look at the other person's disease of addiction so it kind of helps them to get better and I think that it's a you know topic for an entirely another podcast because this is not just one person getting better. It has often made the entire affects the whole family, family. Yeah, yeah. sick. And, and so they need help. And there's so many different ways to do that. But ultimately, um, codependency is real. And, and a lot of times it's affecting not only the individual who's using, but the family. Self-care. You know, I used to tell parents, Boundaries. go to sleep. Yeah. Sleep. Because your child is going to continue doing what they're doing, whether you sleep or not. You might as well sleep. So, you know, I, I really think that... Um, to take care of themselves, which is something that might sound so simple as we say this, but is the hardest thing for someone to do, such as, you know, Brandon's mom, who today is like his best, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're as close as can be, but there was a time where if you told her to go to sleep, she'd say, are you kidding me? My yeah. son might die. So we don't, when our, our loved ones are suffering, because I'm also on the other end, I see people suffer all the time that I want to save, but I can't save them. I know the disease is way um, more powerful than I am. There's power in numbers. You know, so just like us alcoholics, addicts, we have fellowships where, where, where people attend and, and, and it's uh, the commonality is the disease of addiction, which brings us together. And, and, and if I see them or her overcoming it, it allows me to believe that I can overcome it, we can relate because the opposite of, uh, uh, the opposite of addiction is connection, mm -hmm. right? So when we're caught up, we're disconnected, we're disassociated, we're isolated, um, and then we want to get better. What do we do? We surround ourselves with a bunch of like-minded people trying to achieve the same goal, which is to get another day sober. Um, same with the family, you know, because the family will say, I, I can't talk to, to Janie down the street because Janie's going to look at me, right? The stigmatism that, mm -hmm. that, that's invoked with addiction. Um, I can't let Janie know what goes on in our house. Well, the reality is... Janie either knows someone that's happening with her, it could be going on in her house. Mm -hmm. So like Al-Anon is the same thing for for them as our 12-step is for us. Well, uh, me too. Yeah. You know, my son's an addict, me too. Exactly. You know. Holy shit, wait. And mm -hmm. so now we can relate. Now mm -hmm. it's power numbers. Hey, Janie, you have like a smile on your face. Mm -hmm. Right now I'm sad as shit, mm -hmm. but if Janie, you're smiling and your son's as bad as mine, then, then that, I can smile that leads me to believe that mm -hmm. I'll smile too. Mm -hmm. Maybe not today, but tomorrow. Because like yeah. you're, you know. And how many cases where the individual who went and got, you know, went to treatment to get better, they come back and they're better, and then the resentment kicks in because suddenly this person who you, the, the one who's a codependent or the family member has been trying to fix you all these uh -huh. years. Wait a second. So why wasn't I good enough? They why, can do they it, can but I can't. You, but I can't. And now there's I'm resentment. Your, do you yeah. know how long I've been trying to make you better? Now you have to go to these meetings every day. Yeah. What about me? And there's that. Um, that I've been waiting around for you to yeah. be present. Yeah. Now you you need now to go clean, fellowship. Finally. You know, like there's just this resentment, and then they get their own fellowship, and they can both go to meetings, and they can both live a life of recovery. These are wow. so little to do with the drink and drug, as we mentioned. Yeah. You take away the drink and the drug, now you just your your partner is now there present to deal with all the issues. Yeah. You've always been there. I hear people in meetings say, oh, you know, I got sober and then life showed up. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Life's been showing up. Right. I just chose to wake up and show back up to it. Yeah. Another cool rabbit hole to go down with what you're saying with that is, 
is you know you you, you help someone you, you know they, they go to treatment they get their life together things they have no idea that exist in life and and before they go it's like the the, the brothers using together yeah. not only one will go or the boyfriend and the girlfriend but only one will go all of a sudden they go mm -hmm. they do well they excel and 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 then either they come back or they stay where they're at but now the brother who wouldn't go now wants to go yeah now the girlfriend that didn't want to go now wants to go because they're like I shot dope just like he shot mm -hmm. dope if we he can use, do it. if he can do it right. now attraction yeah. rather than promotion becomes their idea and that happens all the time yeah, too absolutely you know you know there are resources there's you know Banyan is one of them we yeah. would love to help people that are suffering uh, we have a number you can call in on if, if you or someone you love is, is going through it. It's 888-675-9055. Uh, and uh, this was great. I, I, for one, definitely learned a lot. I learned a lot about you, and I feel good about it. Yeah. I'm glad you're happy with my, my performance because you have a Thor mug, and I don't <laughs> want that above my head. I'm most happy that I got to, like, speak with you yeah. personally instead of just, you know, it's one thing you get a perception. Like, I see your book around when I first started here. You know, and I just see in the hallway sometimes, and it's like I would hear the story, but to be able to talk to you and everything, you know, it, it's a it's a completely different experience. And definitely opened my eyes to like new thoughts and, and new ideas, confirmed some things, and it, it was just uh, you know I feel better for for doing this. You yeah. Know, forward for myself. So you know, good. Uh, there's a reason why we're in here today doing this. Yeah. There's nine hundred billion nine billion people, give or take, in the world. I could be anywhere in the world with anyone in the world doing whatever I want to do. You could be anywhere in the world doing anything in the world that you want to do. Anywhere in the world, anyone in the world doing whatever you want to do. But for some reason, I believe a power greater than ourselves saw fit for all three of our stars to align and our paths to cross, which lead us to this table at 12.29 Monday afternoon doing this podcast, meaning that there's a bigger picture at play here. Think about it. One simple decision to make a right as opposed to a left could have led us in so many different directions with so many different people. Not calling places. me this morning. Not yeah. call, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. it, but for some reason, uh, we're, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a, a, a skater from Baltimore City, slut turned heroin addict who prostituted his body. You know, you guys are from Florida. You know, there's just a million different, mm -hmm. why do we mm -hmm. get brought together here today for this topic? You just gotta trust it. All right, well, Thanks. Hey, thank you, brother. Pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. We'll see you next time. Thank you. If you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, call us at 888-675-9055. Again, that's 888-675-9055.